bow our heads. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. Another day to pause and remember you. Another day to celebrate your love and the great evidence of your love, your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for giving him up for us, for everyone, dying for the sins of the entire world, even though he was innocent and righteous. Father, we thank you for the ability to uh, celebrate his birth once a year, to remember the miracle you performed. Help us not be familiar with this most amazing thing you've done. Father, we ask that your spirit guide us tonight. Open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. Help us to reflect properly and have the right perspective on Christmas and on the baby that was born. We ask all these things in Christ's precious name, and it's by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen. Let's start this way this evening. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Isn't there? If you're a believer, uh, it can't not strike a chord with you when you just keep it as simple and pure as who he is. Even a, a sigh of relief in your soul when you hear or see the name. Because you, you understand at least to some degree, who he is. And as we heard on Sunday, he just is. These are things we can't explain, but do well to just take in and take the time to dwell on. On the board, as the song goes, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. There's just something about that name. One of my favorite things about celebrating Christmas and thinking about the first Christmas is that we're brought back to one of the simplest, most pure ways to worship God, which is to remember him. To stop and remember him and praise him and thank him. That is one of the most desired forms of worship that God has. That God wants his creatures to partake in. So simple, so pure. And why? Because all the focus is on Jesus when we do that. And we recognize, we don't even acknowledge ourselves when we do that. We're just acknowledging in and glorying in Him. And on top of that, we're reflecting on one of the simplest ways, if not the simplest way, that God could have come down to us. What more of a simple, pure way than a baby boy that has no sinful nature within him? You can't imagine that. I'm sure Brian and Teresa are trying to imagine that right now. No sinful nature in a baby? That would be wonderful. But this was Jesus. What, what more of a pure, simple way could God have shown himself to us? 
Is there anything more harmless and innocent and pure? And that's the form God chose to take in coming to save the human race from themselves. There are also other reasons he came that way, such as the fact that he had to become truly human and be tempted as a human being if he were truly going to take the place of humanity at the cross, which we'll get into a little bit tonight. Because God himself chose to become a man, truly a man, so that he would qualify as a just and righteous sacrifice for all mankind. He couldn't cut corners if it was going to be real. Imagine if God, the Messiah, Jesus, came down from heaven as a full-grown man, literally came out of the clouds one day. Did he go through what we all have to go through? Growing up, experiencing that, uh, submitting to authority as a child? Did he go through the learning process? Uh, Was he tempted in every area? Well, as a baby boy, he missed none of it. And that was part of his qualification to be our substitute. Something the Spirit gave us on Sunday was focusing on Jesus as a man. Even though we know he clearly claimed to be God as well, many times in various ways throughout the scriptures. The Spirit wanted us to dwell on his wonderful humanity, someone we can all relate to and someone we can look up to as the example. Someone, a person that did it, that lived life the right way. Someone we can look to and emulate and um, relate to is the only word. And this evening, as we again reflect on Jesus as a man, we will also end with the idea that he, above all men in human history, manned up more than anybody ever. Pick your greatest warrior throughout human history, whatever quote-unquote idol you might have. They might legitimately be a war hero. How about the thousands upon thousands of martyrs that have died for Jesus' name over the centuries. Rightly, we can call them good men. They lived for Christ. But nobody manned up like Jesus did, ever. And part of that was because he was a sinless, innocent man. One of a kind. He was the only truly innocent man that ever lived. As much as we might like certain people or think certain people are, um, I don't want to say without fault, but, you know, we can look up to them. They have integrity, for example. As much as that's true, they're still sinners. He's the only truly innocent man that ever lived throughout human history. So he was pure in every sense of the word, which no other man can claim about himself. And yet, he chose to take it on the chin for the benefit of others. He chose to live in love to save the truly unlovely. But as we've been shown, that's what a good man or woman of God does. He lives in love, even when it's not going to be accepted. He puts himself aside because he knows the right and godly thing to do 
despite facing rejection for it. So again, I just love this, this these few days right around Christmas time. You know, you might you get an extra day off here or there as well to just have the time to slow down life and reflect and enjoy and think about Jesus, the man, the person. And as I was reflecting, I was thinking about who's the first person who suffered for Jesus, the man. We all talk about suffering for Jesus, right? Who's the first person that truly suffered for Jesus? The answer might be Mary. Mary manned up, pardon the expression, but she fully accepted her calling from the Lord and she knew she'd be harassed and ridiculed for it if not killed. Talk about someone accepting the calling on their life to suffer for Christ's name. Mary, as a young teenage woman of God, by faith received the call of the Lord God to carry the Messiah, to be made pregnant by the Spirit of God, therefore inviting scorn and attacks on her virtue, even though that was one of the very reasons the Lord chose her, was her virtue. Let that humble us men. Nothing can humble a man like being shown up by a teenage girl. Amen? As we complain about our calling in life, maybe we should think about her courage. She went from being known as a virtuous, God-fearing young lady to being known as an unvirtuous whore. Like, really, like from an angel to a devil in the people's eyes, especially back then even though she was totally innocent. And she willingly said yes to the Lord. Whatever you want, I'm your bond slave. But that's the human race. The flesh will not understand the things of God, and God's ways are not man's ways. So guess what? When God calls you to something particular in his plan for your life, it very well could be unpopular and even ugly, to many others. But welcome to the life of Jesus, being ready to suffer for his wonderful name. So this evening, let's again reflect on Jesus as a man born into the flesh, humbly taking on the limitations of humanity so that he could possibly save each and every one of us. We know from Holy Scripture that Jesus is both God and man, there are many scriptures that reveal both sides of his person. He's 100% God and 100% man at the same time and forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega, according to the scriptures, the beginning of the end and the end. Mighty God and eternal Father and the great I Am come in the flesh. Turn again to John 8.58 as our first scripture this evening. John 8.58. And even though that might hurt your head to think about how he is 100% God and 100% man at the same time, so be it. You don't have to understand it fully. You have to accept it, though, by faith, if you want to be righteous in God's eyes. A righteous man will live by faith. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And I believe it's eight times in the Gospel of John, Jesus called himself the I am. Eight signifying a new beginning, by the way. But here he is, he's telling them, I am. The one from the Old Testament, on the board. It's difficult to comprehend what this means completely. The best we can do is to treasure it, trust it, place our faith, hope, and love on it being true. The great I am became a man, and his name is Jesus. I love this statement because that truly is the best we can do. As I've had some personal faith tests lately, this is what it comes back to every single time. Are you willing to trust him? As in right now. In other words, stop thinking about your lack of trusting him. Are you willing to trust him? Right now. Like the past doesn't matter. Right now, are you willing to look forward in faith, trusting him and his mighty words, trusting in his faithfulness? That's one of the things I've been appreciating so much lately is his faithfulness as I continue to fail. Just, whew. His faithfulness is overwhelming. And the more you read Scripture, the more you get a piece of it. And when Jesus calls himself the great I Am, you're good with that. Like on the board, you just treasure it, trust it. Place your faith, hope, and love in him, period. So there we have one of his wonderful proclamations of being God in the flesh. And yet, he's also true humanity which is just beyond human comprehension that God would do this. Turn again to Matthew 1, verse 18. True humanity. Again, God didn't cheat when he became a man. Like he went all in, and the scripture says he literally put aside his deity to do this. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Look at the wording there for a second. You, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. What's implied there? God's saying, in other words, I want you involved. Don't run away from this. I want you involved. And when he's born, nine months from now, after you go through some suffering, because of this crazy situation, I want you to call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from his sins. So Joseph also had to man up and did man up to God's call on his life. Now while this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Jesus, a baby boy, came to us to grow into a man that we could relate to and love and follow as our Savior. Someone we could truly follow without any apprehension, without any doubts, without wondering about their honesty or their truth or their grace. And as came out on Sunday, we're celebrating the birthday of our bridegroom. That's who he is to us. And this man had to learn every single step of the way to learn and grow up into a man of God as any of us must do, are called to do. Turn again to Luke 2, verse 40. Simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. But how do you do that if you don't know him? Luke 2.40 The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he became 12, I mean, don't miss that, picture a 12-year-old boy. When he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast, and as they were returning after spending the full number of days, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So on the board, Jesus so humbled himself. Jesus had to learn as a man does, Luke 2.52 we just read. Jesus as a boy spent time learning from his Bible, being raised by earthly parents, In humility, we are able to relate to him personally. Hebrews 4.15. And this is good. This is very good for us. Again, if he didn't become a man, how hard would it be for us to relate to God? So much more difficult. But now we have a visual aid. We have an example. One of the many reasons he entered into the flesh. But on the board, we can relate to him. In Hebrews 4.15, 
We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He's been tempted in all things. Teenage boys. He's been tempted in all things, yet without sin. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to pick on you like Pastor did last week. But you know what I'm saying. He did not cut corners. We don't have a high priest. We don't have a representative that, you know, (laughs) skipped the tough part and went straight to being king. We have someone that took the, the right road, the whole road, yet without sin, tempted in every area. So he can relate to us. He can relate to us fully on what we go through. One of the very reasons the Lord became a man is so we could relate to him. So don't forget the pure humanity he became. The Spirit is telling us, stop and relate to him. Don't put him on the shelf somehow where you forget his person and his humanity. There's a very good re- many very good reasons he entered into the flesh. One was for that, for us. So we could appreciate him and he could fully appreciate what we go through. One of my favorite verses about this is in John 1, where the Spirit has taken us over and over on the board. In John 1.18, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Thank God for that. Thank God for Jesus. He, the man, Jesus, has explained, has revealed to us what God is like. We shouldn't be wondering anymore. I mean, we have the Word also, obviously, in Old and New Testament. But we see Him in physical form. We've seen Him animate life, live it out. And even though we don't see Him with our own eyes, we, we, we see in the eyewitness accounts of these very real uh, things that happened in His life as a person. So Jesus the man has explained to us or declared to us God himself. The very heart of God has been revealed to us in his humanity. One reason Jesus entered the flesh was so we could see and understand God the Father. So we could see and witness his great love. Like see it in action. Just think of all the healings he performed. Think of all the forgiveness he gave. Do you want to know how much God loves you? Look what Jesus did in life. They're not separate at all. They're the exact same. In fact, turn again to John 14, which is a passage we went to a few weeks ago. One reason Jesus entered the flesh was so that we could see and understand God the Father. Like fully. Nothing's missing here. John 14, 1. Jesus said, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him, and you've seen him. Period. End of discussion. From now on, you know him and you've seen him. Same? Zero difference? Philip said to him in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. The disciples could touch him. They could see his love every day and rejoice in his purity and total goodness. And they could see the Father. Little did they know and understand fully, but they could see the Father. And so can we, by faith, in his words and in his person. So don't miss that, this Christmas, this time when hopefully we're pausing and taking a break from the things that are really not that important. Don't miss that. As Pastor said on Sunday, it would be a real tragedy to miss that, to miss his person. And to miss the fact that his person, even in his humanity, reveals the Father perfectly. But it takes faith, doesn't it? Just like Philip struggled with. But when you've seen me, you've seen him. Again on the board, John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So again, Jesus so humbled himself. We don't want to have a sterile relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want a very personal one. It's easy to do. It's easy to have a sterile relationship with him, isn't it? Because the words on the page, if, if, if they don't come alive in our soul, if we don't choose to uh, make them real to us, if we just keep it words, then we're going to miss out on this personal relationship. And that's what he wants too. And hasn't he proven that to us beyond a shadow of a doubt? Why would he have done what he did? if he didn't want a personal relationship. So it pays spiritually to sit back and just dwell on his person. And think about it. Jesus right now is seated on the throne in heaven as a man, as one of us. That's unbelievable. Reserving our seat for us because he was perfect and fulfilled the plan of God perfectly.
But right now, we can appreciate him and love him because we have his very own words revealing his heart and his person to us. We, we, we know who we're following. Do you know what I mean? It's not like there's a mystery. It's not like we wonder what he was like. Gee, what was he like? We have eyewitness accounts of what he was like and what he did and what he said, how he treated certain people. We have all these eyewitness accounts. Again, go back to the source. It's not a mystery who he is. If you want, you can learn who he is and follow him. And that, in a nutshell, is what God wants from us. On the board, finding intimacy came up on Sunday. Our intimacy with Jesus is found and fostered through the word of God. And he was the word, of course, and he became flesh in John 1.14. But we can have all the intimacy we want with this person, with the man, through the word as our, our vehicle, so to speak. The word was God, as we know the creator of all things, the one who existed from eternity past became a man for you and I. I mean, we're used to that, right? I just said those words and you've heard that a thousand times. But what if you just heard that for the first time? What if you're from some tribe in Africa and you've always lived in the grass fields, you've never seen any civilization, and someone came up to you and said, um, the creator, say, see all that? The one that created all this? He became a man like you. It's so insane, right? It's so hard to think about and grasp. Don't take for granted. Bask in the wonder of it, in, in his person. Why would God do this for us, for me? On the board, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And think about Jesus' perspective. Think about Jesus' perspective. Think about him growing up as a boy, coming to the realization of who he was, and the great calling upon his life from the Father above. As we saw in Luke 2 at 12 years old, he said, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But he had to go through this process and realize in real time, in real life, who he was, who he was made to be. In fact, that he made himself, if you will, because he's the creator as well, of all things. Let that boggle your mind, right? But think about Jesus' perspective. As a person, he truly became human. He had to learn all these things from being a baby boy. And yet Jesus followed through on everything that he was asked to do by the Father. He followed through. Again, Jesus, as a man, manned up like nobody else ever. He followed through. What does a man do, a good man do? He follows through on what he says he's going to do, right? Think about this. Jesus followed through every single time in 33 years. How many days is that, Michael? 365 times 33. That's a lot. 33,000 days? 
Uh, I'm way off. I'm way off. Over Is it 100,000? Thank you. Yeah, I'm not good at math. 100,000 days. Do you make decisions every day? Do you have to make decisions every day? How many? Science says we make a whole lot of little decisions every day in our soul. He followed through on every single one. On every single conviction the Father gave him, he followed through. He never failed. And this was in the midst of the fact that he had to be tempted and pass all the tests to qualify to be the innocent sacrificial lamb in our place. To be pure and innocent on that cross for us, he had to never fail. He had to be sinless. So wonderful things to dwell on. His amazing person. As a man, he did this. And he chose to be a man and have discipline and self-control, didn't he? And to have integrity and faith and unselfish love and compassion. He chose all that. He was not under an obligation to us. He chose all that. All the things we discussed that a man of God is called to do, he did. He sucked it up and did it all without fail, out of pure love and compassion, even though he was completely innocent. So we need to let his humility and obedience as a man inspire us. And that's the great thing about Christmas. And Resurrection Sunday, same thing. We need to sit back and let his humility and obedience as a man inspire us. Why was he so humble and so obedient to the Father's plan? He didn't need anything. He was all set in his own person. But we need to relate to him in this way. He's the pioneer of our faith because he became a man and he actually did it. He did it. He lived life perfectly. He lived it out. He showed us how it's done. How to live for God and others without regard to self and bring glory to the Father. What are we here for? Bring glory to the Father. It's so simple. Our, our objective in this life, why are we here on this earth right now? Why are we still here? Bring glory to the Father, ultimately. And who do we have? The perfect example to imitate. So he showed us as a man all these wonderful things. Rejoice. Embrace his example. And all we have to do is follow him. The man who chose obedience and love so he could bring perfect glory to his Father. On Sunday, we reflected on this as well. Imagine what your life personally would be like had Jesus never been born. Where would you be right now? What hope would you have of pleasing God? Really, pretend Jesus never existed, never lived on this earth, and we're going to face God one day soon, every single one of us. What are you clinging to? What are you hoping is going to get you through the gates or past his judgment? Zero hope, right? Yet Jesus submitted his life in this world 
in the flesh. He submitted to life in this world, in the flesh, knowing that he was born to die, specifically. Knowing that's why he came. He knew this from a young age, and he still followed through and manned up to save us all, the very ones who sinned against him. Don't be familiar with this. Turn again to John one twenty nine. It takes time to um, assimilate these things in our soul, to not take them for granted. And to even humbly ask God, what am I missing here, Lord? I know the facts, so to speak. I know about Jesus coming and dying for, for, for me, but what am I not seeing here? Show me, give me a better glimpse of this indescribable reality that you performed. John one twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was a lamb used for in the Jewish faith? Sacrifice, right? Old Testament? The innocent baby lamb. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knew why he was there. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, And he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. So Jesus knew his calling knew he was to be the lamb led to the slaughter in Isaiah 53 and still manned up for us from a young age. And that began with choosing to even be born for us in the first place. So again on the board, hallelujah. Praise you, God. What else do we just say? What else does God want from us? One of the most pure forms of worship right there. It's all about him. It's all about what he did. It's all about his incredible person. And that allows us to take our eyes off ourselves and our own faithlessness at times and put our eyes on the faithful one. As we began this evening, that's one of the simplest, purest forms of worship God desires from us. We don't even have to have the right words, everybody. Although that is as simple and nice as it gets, right? Hallelujah, praise you, God. But we don't even have to have the right words. He wants the heart instead. What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians 9.15? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Lord, I can't describe what you've done for me. I can't, but thank you. I don't know what else to say, but thank you. And that 
is worshiping God, my friends. That's bringing glory to God even in front of the angels and hopefully in front of some other people. Again, that's one of the great reflections of celebrating the first Christmas. Praise Jesus. And let's not forget, Jesus not only became a man, but he had to choose to live a perfect life as a man, or he would not have qualified as a just and righteous sacrifice in place of us all. And his perfect life of fulfilling God the Father's perfect plan started at a very young age. Very young age. Why? He had to fulfill the law perfectly, folks. He couldn't miss any of it and not be qualified. Turn again to Luke 2.21. Luke 2.21. He be- began fulfilling God the Father's plan at a very young age. And this, maybe this is why God put Mary and Joseph you know, in charge of him, to do it the right way, to do it by the law, so he would fulfill every single prophecy and every single requirement of the Messiah. Look at Luke 2.21. And when eight days had passed, Jesus is eight years old. Eight years, eight days, sorry. Eight days old before his circumcision. His name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of, a pair of two of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Go to verse 39. Luke two thirty-nine. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus, in perfect obedience, continually learned the word of God so that he could fulfill it all as a man. And he even submitted to the Father's plan so perfectly that he accepted suffering and learning from suffering so he could be found in perfect obedience. I mean, this is just so mind-boggling, right? If anyone didn't deserve to suffer, it was Jesus, the only one who didn't deserve to suffer. All of us being sinners deserve to suffer. And yet, as innocent as he was, he accepted suffering and chose to humbly learn from it. On the board, Hebrews 5, 8 through 10. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus was and became our perfect 
representative. Even though he was tempted in all areas, we saw in Hebrews 4.15, without sin, he became our perfect representative. He didn't miss a beat. He didn't miss anything. Understands exactly what we're tempted with. Was tempted more than all of us, than any of us ever will be. Because he had to be tempted in every single area, yet without sin. The point is, he did whatever it took to save mankind, and he had to do it all to be that qualified, sacrificial lamb of God. Again, look at Luke 2.52. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So as a man, Jesus went on to follow the Father's wishes for him at all times. At all times. And this included through the fruit of the Spirit, such as love and self-control. Think about those things. Not just his perfect love, which is the motivation, but also things like self-control and discipline. How many people have it all and decide to give it all up? How many people have it all and choose to live a life of self-discipline? For the benefit of others. He fulfilled God's law perfectly. He chose to. Through the fruit of the Spirit. So that any one of us who follows him could be made perfect as well. Just like he was perfect. Think about how much we must have been on his mind. Like motivating him. The love motivating him was us. And he knew that he could make us perfect. If he just didn't quit if he just persisted, if he just remained steadfast and stepped up every single time and didn't fail. Think about the love that must have been motivating him because he had it all and he had nothing to prove. Remember last week in Romans 13, living in love fulfills the whole law. You might say, how did he do it? How did he never sin once? How was he tempted maybe a million times in his life and he never sinned once? How did he do that? The only possible way is the power of love. Now, he was perfect too, you know what I mean? What was motivating him? Romans 13, if you live in love, you fulfill the whole law. You won't break any law. You won't harm your neighbor ever if you live in love. And that's what he was. Just think about his person this Christmas. Go to Matthew 3.13 as we begin to close. Matthew 3.13. I mean, if, if there was anyone that could have skated through life, it was Jesus. He had it all. He knew it all. He was perfect. And he's like, wait a minute. Who knows what age he said this. I'm here for a reason. He might have been four years old. He's like, hmm, I think I'm the Messiah. Can you imagine? But really, there came a point where he's like, I'm not here for me. I'm here for the whole world and my father. Fun stuff to think about. Matthew 3.13. 
Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus, answering, said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What was Jesus the man's main concern? Fulfilling all righteousness for our sake. Then he permitted him. And in verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What pleases God the Father? Obedience. Obedience. That's what Jesus is doing every single step of the way. And then we get to the necessary temptations for Jesus as a man to go through and pass. Look at Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Don't miss the fact that he was in the desert a long time. These are only the temptations we have spelled out for us. But he passed every single test, every time. He gave in to not one temptation. All motivated out of his love for us to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. Look at Matthew 4.23. Matthew 4.23. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And look at Matthew 5.17 and 18. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill the whole law. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until what? All is accomplished. 
He's the only one that could do it. And he did it. He followed through fully and perfectly. Why did he submit to such requirements and such discipline? On the board, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's just one answer. It's because he loved us. As the Spirit's been telling us, a true man of God mans up and loves others. That's what ultimately manning up is. And that's what he is. Love motivates the man of God to live for others and his Father in heaven. And so we say in simplicity and purity, thank you, Jesus, right? Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. All the glory and honor be to you forever and ever. It's the great thing about Christmas. We say thank you for choosing to be born to die to set us free from sin and death and from our very selves. Thank you for choosing to not only be born into this world, into the flesh, but also for putting aside your deity to truly become human, to truly become one of us. On the board, because as a man and a man alone, you were able to pay the debt that sinful man owed God and grant eternal life to those who trust in you alone by the graceful and merciful plan of God. As a man and a man alone, he had to do this. To be qualified, to be our substitute. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Let's close with Philippians 2 verse 5. This is the great thing about Christmas. We get to stop and uh, dwell on the amazingness of his person. We'll never, never get a full understanding of him in this lifetime. But God's like, every day, he's like, I want you to get a little more. I want to give you a little more. Do you want a little more? Are you humbling yourself before me? Do you want to know more of who he is? Philippians 2.5 Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for revealing more of the person 
of Jesus to us. We thank you for the simplicity and purity of just praising you and praising him and following him as our great example. And Father, we ask that you open our hearts and minds this Christmas, this time of remembering his birth and all he went through, volunteered for. We ask that you open our eyes and hearts to really see more of his person, to relate to him, and to have a more intimate personal relationship with him, and therefore with you, Father. For you are one. Father, we ask all these things in the name of our precious Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's by the power of your Spirit we pray. Amen.